What's up, castaways? This is your guest hostess, Dina. I'm uh, here in charge of the situation while Ben is taking a much-deserved rest. And with me, as usual, my co-host of the most, Dylan. All right. Hello. Looking forward for another week of Survivor discussion. What a fun episode we just saw. Poor, poor Daniel. Couldn't. Poor Daniel. I would just like to say, I don't know if our myriad listeners care about this, but we have a Survivor draft. And for the second season in a row, five episodes in, three of my four picks have been eliminated. Perhaps I should have seen it coming with Daniel, but I'm very disappointed. Was Daniel your top pick? He, you know, he was he was going to be my top pick. I picked him second in the draft because I knew he wasn't anyone else's top pick. Right. So who who was your top pick? My top pick was Omer, who's all I've got going for me now. <laughs> all right. Omer is looking good. And so is my guest turn into permanent fixture on the podcast. My friend yours, Julia Maidwald. Hello, I may not have any survivors left in our pool, but I will still have survivor takes left for y'all. I'm not to brag, guys, but I believe I have all four of my survivors left in the pool. I believe I took Marianne, number one, and then I know for sure I have Roxroy, who I got at the <laughs> end. Then I believe I also have Lydia and Chanel who just uh, avoided getting voted out. So look at me. Dina, do you have anyone eliminated? I don't yet. But uh, speaking of Roxroy, let's pick it up with him. He comes back to camp after Swati's voted out. And I guess we got the answer to my question from last week uh, about whether he was actually aware of the vote. And what do you know? Blindside. He did he not was- know. A shockingly good sport, though. He was great. He was thanking everyone for not telling him and just, like, really uh, admitting that he actually may not have a great social game, which was shockingly self-aware from uh, what I was expecting. Yeah, I was sure he was going to be grumpy about it in the same manner that, you know, if someone didn't build the the shelter to his satisfaction, I thought, you know, if the vote did not go to his satisfaction, he would be scoldy, but not at all. <laughs> I guess it's like, at least he has the most minimal sense. Like, after you've been blindsided, you don't want to come back, obviously, and start telling people how mad you are at them. You have to suck up. So he knew what to do. And I wonder now, go, I feel like going into the merge, it's like, He's probably fine. Like they were fine to blindside him because I'm sure he's still going to stay true to Romeo, Andrea, but it uh, doesn't seem like Tori is going to. I think she, another example of why maybe they should have voted out Tori as soon as the episode starts, she's like, I'm jumping ship as fast as I can. So do you think that Tori is lower on the pecking order than Roxroy with Romeo, Andrea? Hmm. I mean, on one hand, it almost like doesn't matter at this point because they're going into the merge. But yeah. I would assume that like, no, I, I feel like just rocks where they feel like they could control and Tori, they don't. It would be interesting to hear what Romeo and Drea think. But clearly they're running the show and, and Roxroy and Tori. It would be interesting if they went to one more tribal council. But I think this will also be interesting to see how quickly Tori jumps ship and <laughs> like how that works out for her. 
Which uh, makes me wonder, was it the right choice to vote out Swati after all? I think we were high on it last week, but now, I don't know. She just seems so annoyed at Rox. It's like if it wasn't for Rox, it almost feels like she may have been like in on this like strong four with like a different fourth. Yeah, well, with Swati, maybe. Like, maybe if they would have voted out Roxroy last week, who wasn't really on their radar. But yeah, that would have probably been a really strong four. I mean, certainly for my draft, not voting out Swati would have been the correct (laughs) move. (laughs) But, you know, Tori lives to see another day. Rox lives to see another day. And we'll see how they battle it out. They may come together because, you know, mm-hmm. merge time sometimes requires desperate measures. I feel like there's no chance. It seems like Tori hates Rox Roy so, so much. <laughs> I, this episode was the first time I was thinking, Tori must be knowingly going for a villain edit. So many of her sound bites are just like, mustache twirling like i have done this on purpose to be devious i feel like she must be thinking of how she's going to be edited she i think is definitely leaning into the villain edit she has lots of eye rolling um moments lots of like muttering under her breath like little snarky remarks that she knows will be captioned after the fact so yeah she's kind of having that Angelina from season 37 vibe. Yeah, I really love Tori on the show. I'm so excited to see what happens with the merge. I feel like she's going to be this like big agent of chaos and just like changing sides every single week. I really hope that she lasts through a couple of votes so we can see all the devious things she comes up with. I also hope we get to see her using her air quotes here, like superpowers of connection to connect with other types of people, much like she did with the nerds in Harry Potter. Well, in the last episode, they were talking about Mario Kart. Maybe she can <gasps> chat about that with Marianne and, uh, <laughs> and Lindsay. I guess she legitimately can connect with Jonathan about Christianity, right? Am I right that they're both, like, quite Christian? I didn't know that. Is that Tori identifies as, like, religious? I think I remember that from her pre-show. Tori apparently was on some other show beforehand i forget what the name of it is so this is a really terrible uh, moment yes sequester that that's it so she i don't really even know what the show is or like how to watch it i should probably look into that at some point because it'd be fun to see how she was but i remember in zach's exit interviews he was like saying oh if only i'd watched that season of of sequester then i would have known and so yeah she clearly like knows what it's like to be on these shows so maybe that's what's helping her like like you're saying julia like kind of tailor how she acts to be more entertaining on the show so as much as I love talking about Tori, let's talk about some of the other members of the tribe that are looking pretty damn good, especially together. Drea and Romeo. I'm like shipping that friendship so much, like loving that alliance. Romeo's given me like a lot of good confessionals. Drea's ends up finding the idol with Romeo's kind of pushing her from behind and coaching her to manifest into her queen pageant self. So what do you guys think about those two? 
I have to say, I found it, I mean, I'm a big Romeo fan, but I found it slightly smarmy the way that he was like, you know, I'm going to coach her up like one of my pageant girls, partially maybe because I'm like slightly prejudiced against the pageant industry, which maybe is not fair, but I sort of felt like I love them collaborating, I love them trusting each other and looking together, but I didn't like the take of like, Drea needed your help to find the idol, even if she might have. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I mean... Some of it is also like similar to Tori, right? Like playing up to the camera. I'm sure uh, everyone's talking about their professions and how it relates to how they play Survivor. So I'm sure, you don't know if he, he was like asked, like, how does being a pageant coach affect your like ability to play Survivor? And he's like, well, that, I'm going to use it to my advantage and help people and blah, blah, blah. But of course, it would be fun if then, you know, he like turns on Drea. Like, I guess it doesn't seem like we're going in that direction, though. Sounds like he just is a true person that wants to actually work with her and take her to the end. I almost got, like, if you'll indulge this uh, reference to a show that shall not be named, but, like, almost, like, little finger vibes of sorts. Like, he's very much like, I didn't tell Rox because I didn't think I needed to, and now I'm going to make, you know, Dre a queen because I can. And so I feel like he's uh, pretty sly and also playing under the radar because no one is saying bringing up his name like ever and i'm just really curious to see where that's his story goes i know it's really way too early to tell but say you had a final true romeo and drea who do you think wins well and also we have to remember that these people haven't seen the last season so they're probably still under the impression that a woman hasn't won in forever and if you recall like last season that was a big discussion point about how like you know, obviously, like, maybe they wouldn't have voted for Heather. Like, it seemed like no one really respected her. But it seemed like, you know, all else equal. Like, Drea seems like a really good player. So unless Romeo did something, like, really phenomenal, like, had, like, a Tony game, I think Drea would have the edge because she's, like, clearly a good player. And also, like, a woman hasn't won in so long that I feel like that would put it over the top. Yeah, Drea's a survivor rich right now with her amulet, <laughs> her idol, and her extra vote. And finally, the long-awaited spoiler has been resolved. She has the potato phrase. So I guess we'll never know why we saw Tori reading it. And then there was like another clip with apparently Marianne's voice superimposed on it. So it's all very confusing, but I'm just so happy it's over. And we don't need to be spoiled any further on who gets to stay or who gets to go in the game. Hmm. Yeah, that was clearly just production messing with us somewhat, I guess, by making it look like Tori found it in that season preview. Okay, so on to our beloved Taku tribe, where it kind of feels like this is what happens when introverts and extroverts collide, because we see Lindsay and Marianne just happily chatting away about uh, Mario Kart, while Jonathan is basically all but having, has like fumes coming out of his ears he's just like so mad and needs to go for a walk i find this like very entertaining like i just love their little almost like sibling kind of annoyances and just like little kind of bickering that they're having it's just like i'm really enjoying that tribe i go back and forth on jonathan i feel like i still have some of my like pre-show bias floating around of like that's not the type of player that 
I think is like the platonic ideal of a perfect winner. And so I'm always like, I think I'm more suspicious of him than I need to be. I feel like it was really fun how we actually, they really like let it sit, you know, like didn't really edit of just like what the vibe was like around there of this, them like talking and talking. And anytime Jonathan said anything, they would like just like keep talking and there was never any silence. And it went on for like a couple of minutes and like, they did a really good job. Like, obviously we don't know like if it was like silent for, you know, the next like two hours, but it really gave this impression that like life must be so frustrating for poor Jonathan that just wants like one second of peace and quiet. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot. We don't usually see like that much uninterrupted camp life. Yeah, usually they like cut to a confessional like pretty quickly. I guess here they had Jonathan doing like a confessional sort of over top of the camp life, like him kind of narrat- narrating his thoughts as that was happening. But man, it, it was also funny how they sort of then have Jonathan being like, and that's why I, I need to go fishing in order to like clear my head. And then you like superimpose that with you know, Daniel, who goes fishing to try to be cool and, like, you know, like, everyone's making fun of him and everyone's even, like, mad at him. Like, how dare you go fishing if you can't swim in, in challenges? Which, to me, was kind of, like, silly. It seems like two completely different things. But yeah, but uh, obviously, also, it probably helps that Jonathan is bringing back, like, a million fish and Daniel's <laughs> like, oh, no, it didn't, didn't work. <laughs> I was surprised that Daniel's attitude was, like, just enjoy yourself. To me, he seems so, so gamey and so strategic, and then I guess I listened to his post-show interview and he was saying that swimming was strategic because he wanted to prove he wasn't scheming. And how could he be scheming if he was submerged in water? But still, I was surprised. I kind of also feel like, I know this in a lot of games I play, like, sort of like my strategy is to be scheming and strategic until I'm losing. And then my <laughs> strategy changes to, I, I want to have fun because I realize I'm not going to win. Like if I'm playing fantasy hockey and then all of a sudden, like I realize I'm probably not going to have a chance. I'm going to take like more, you know, big risks and not really care so much because I know I've lost. So like, it, maybe it's like a little part about now. Now, obviously he could try to be all, you know, it's not about winning. It's just about having fun, right? And having a good experience. <laughs> maybe if he was like in charge of the tribe, he wouldn't be caring so much about having fun. That makes sense. Maybe it's adaptive. I do think, though, that Daniel has had, like, a pretty good attitude the whole time. Like, obviously, he's been kind of spiraling during tribals, but I think you could tell that he's coming as a super fan. He's so excited to be there. He'll do whatever he can to obviously advance in the game, but I think he's also just trying to soak in the experience. Like, I feel like Daniel is pretty genuine. I feel like sometimes people are accusing him of being, like, game body or whatever but i actually felt like he was just trying to yeah have a good time as well can i throw an analogy at you guys the the player that daniel reminds me of from last season is jd is like this like big pre-merge character the big super fan wanted to go and play a big game and kind of just crashed and burned at every attempt and it's like you you'd imagine like they seem smart like maybe if they played again things would go differently but uh, and they both i think went out around the same time so they should they should meet up and commiserate probably were they also both on green tribes oh was shan's tribe the green tribe? i'm never good at remembering these things I guess I'll trust your judgment. We'll go to the Survivor Archives to double check that. But yeah, I'm digging this analogy. I think it's a good one. So then, okay, so if Daniel is JD, then who's the Shan and who's the Ricard? I guess it's like Hi and Lydia. Yeah, Hi has got to be. Mm. Or 
Well, right now, high, I feel like it's been both the Shan and <laughs> the Ricard. So we'll see. I am excited for Lydia's character to flesh out a little more. We started seeing more confessionals from her this episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. It seems like she has a good head on her shoulder, and we'll talk a little bit more about when she goes to the fantastical voyage or whatever, <laughs> who with rocks. Um, but... Yeah, so far, High is definitely the schemer and the socializer, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I am digging that uh, partnership, though, between uh, Lydia and High. So throwing it to their tribe, then, they're chatting about how Chanel is kind of hard to read while Daniel is transparent. So, which kind of actually reminds me of this dichotomy between Swati and Tori, and how they ended up voting Swati out because she just seemed like less sort of more of a blind side that she was actually scheming while Tori was like evident the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am. Um, I mean, we know what happens in the end, but it's just uh, interesting that that's the way that they decided to go ultimately and vote out Daniel, who seemed easier to read, very much wears his heart on his sleeve, but perhaps less trustworthy. Yeah. Was anyone else, not to skip to the end too fast, but this was one of the only tribal councils this season where I was like truly unsure who was going to be voted out. Hmm. Well, it wasn't it the only tribal council where a uh, shot in the dark wasn't used? Like, I feel like maybe there's a correlation. Like Daniel also wasn't sure. Who, or I guess he was sure, but he was wrong. <laughs> Who was going to get voted out? But yeah, I, I guess it goes to show. High and Lydia had were good at, at hiding it, as opposed to some of these other votes where the person seemed to figure it out. I've been trying to rack my brains to think of if there's anything that could have been done with shots in the dark to help Daniel and Chanel. Like at first, I was thinking if they both claim they're going to use their shot in the dark, but don't invite for Mike. Like, is there any chance that they could convince Lydia? Or high to throw a vote on Mike. I can't think of anything that actually works, but. So yeah, I listened to uh, Daniel's you know exit interview on Rob as a podcast, and he was saying how they were kind of under the assumption that Mike wasn't going to have a vote for you know at first, so they thought it would be like a two-two tie. So then it's kind of like no point trying to you know suck up to Mike or whatever. And so like maybe if they knew from the start that it was going to be a three-to-two and both sides. Like, you know, maybe he could be a bit of a swing vote, then maybe they could have done it. But I think since they assumed it was going to be, you know, the high and Lydia and then those two that they just spent like two days, like throwing each other under the bus and just trying to make the other one seem bad. So they, I think it was like pretty tricky at that point for them to come together, I think. And also, I mean, why, what's in it for Chanel? If, like if she had the right read that she was safe, then why should she team up with Daniel at this point? If she could just like get through, make it to the merge and then, you know, regroup from there. But did she think that she was safe or did she throw a vote at Mike just to really be extra sure? Because I feel like she potentially went like against the plan, did she not? I thought that that was shot in the dark production, that in case Daniel did play it and it hit, then would there be one on yeah, then there would be one on Mike. And, well, there would also still be the vote on Chanel, and then, but I guess they would re-vote at that point. But, yeah, if there wasn't, then, 
Yeah, I guess that probably would have, probably she would have been out either way. But I guess like if you have a revote, then maybe there's a chance that she can convince people to vote out Mike. But it seems like Mike and High now are like super tight. So I, I don't know yeah. how much that helped her. Maybe it hurt her, though I guess not that much because Mike voted for her also. So if he's like mad at her, then he, she could be like, well, we're, we're even. So let's just bury the hatchet. Although we did see that Mike is acting all indignant being like, oh, I followed, like, I did what I promised to do. So I was surprised because he did vote for Chanel. Yeah, which was not what he promised to do, right? Exactly. I mean, it's what he promised to do to some people and not to other people. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's uh, so funny. It'll be Mike will be the Roxroy of next episode coming out of tribal, Aww. just being like, why didn't you uh, fill me in on everything? But it doesn't matter. At this point, it's like a whole new game, right? Like there's going to be four, four, four. I, I'd imagine it's going to be crazy. If they do the same thing as they did last season, then only like half the people are going to be immune or even more than half, right? If they like split to six and six and then last year, then one of the like prone six got immunity. So there'll be like five people available to vote out and it'll be like super random. And, and then after that, like who knows who's with who. So I feel like this is almost like act one of the play. And now like, it's obviously fun to analyze like what people could have done differently. But in terms of like the relationship between Mike and Chanel now, it's almost like, who knows like they'll either make up or maybe they'll be on the same side just out of convenience or maybe like it's so hard to know like what that kind of impact will have until we know like kind of who's who's immune and like who's teaming up with who so speaking about immunity let's uh talk a little bit about the immunity challenge where marianne yet again tries to fit her story about the bunny and the mailbox and then drea gets her chance to activate the uh, potato skin um, idol, which I thought she did a pretty decent job of like incorporating the story, but the part about just like randomly finding a potato in Fiji, Fiji was perhaps a little suspect. Super sus. <laughs> well, but everyone knows these sayings, right? It's like, uh, because I believe that Marianne told her whole tribe, right? Like the second that she found it. And then I think Mike told his people, like, I think that Hi and Lydia and Chanel, like, I think they all know about Mike's. Yeah, because Daniel was telling everyone. <laughs> and then as far as Drea's tribe, so obviously we know that Romeo knows. So I guess it's possible that Tori and Roxroy don't know. <laughs> but also it's like if Drea's telling a story of how she found a potato, and if that's not true, like, wouldn't Tori and Roxroy be like, well, I don't remember this. <laughs> like, what, where was this potato? So probably they know. So it's all probably always just like... Probably it was like they did all these sayings and like tried to be funny for the camera, but really they all could have just said their sayings with no explanation and no, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I do feel like I think both Drea and Mike could have worked them in a little more smoothly had there been any reason to. Mike's was so funny. Well, Mike basically was literally like a record scratch because he was like, Jeff, I have something to say. And then he just like plunges into this whole story. It's like if you were just going to interrupt the whole kind of flow of banter to like say your thing, then just say it. You don't need to then be like... I was a coach of soccer, and this is what happened. It's like, you can just say it, man. Yeah, this is also kind of like a reminiscent of last season, right? Because remember on the time when they all activated their idols, it was like the two people like said theirs, and then like out of nowhere, Nasir was just like, (laughs) 
I'm as surprised as a goat on AstroTurf or whatever it was. And it was sort of also just kind of like, no, I, like you know that meme, like nobody. And then Nasir saying, like, <laughs> and here it was also the same. It was just like Mike randomly, like you're saying, Dina, like this record scratch, like, Jeff, soccer, you know, nothing makes me cry like soccer. It's just like, and then, he, but then he had to go on and explain it. And then the show like sort of just edited around it of like people giving confessionals about why they're happy that they got their idols while Mike is still, I guess, trying to justify why he said this thing about how soccer is a beautiful game. I wonder, I, I'd like to see the supercut of his whole like explanation of the story of his, the pe- the kids he works with and how soccer makes him cry. I'm sure it was very long. Oh no. What's longer, that or Christian? And that challenge, talking about, you know, talking about Ruben sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Arguably similar. Do we think that Survivor has now sort of gone as far as they can go with silly phrases because henceforth all the players will have seen the silly phrases? And if so, do we think they're going to graduate to, like, other weird things you have to do before challenges to signal that you have one? I wonder if they'll have, like, some body comedy or something. Like, they have to incorporate some specific sequence of movements or something. Because I agree, the phrases probably have played themselves out at this point. But, uh, yeah, nothing uh, to stop them from keep accelerating the ridiculousness. Maybe leading into more of, like, uh, Big Brother territory. You have to go wearing a giant banana hat. (laughs) No one will notice. (laughs) (laughs) You must wear your banana hat until they show up with their cherry hat. (laughs) Well, what do you guys think? Like, do you like this phrase thing? Like, are you happy that that was on the show? I I kind of enjoyed it, but also I feel like it would be getting really old if it just, like, was the same again next season. Yeah, I agree on both counts. Yeah, it's almost becoming, like, dad joke level if, like, they keep doing it, you know? It's like, all right. Well, I guess now the fun thing will be if people are on watch for people saying these phrases, but the phrases, like, aren't a thing anymore. And now people are getting accused of, like, having idols because they said just weird things. That that could be a fun evolution of how this goes. Yeah, I do like that. I also think I would like it more if they were better at it. Like, I mean, it is funny when they, like, just do it out of nowhere, like, a record scratch. But also, like, if they were consistently, like, working them in masterfully, I think that would be fun. What if it was more like Wheel of Fortune? You know how Mm. it's like when they go to solve the puzzle, unless you say it perfectly... You know, it doesn't count. Like, what if, like, Mm -hmm. it was like you get one shot, and if you mess it up, you know, then, like, you lose your vote forever, whatever punishment they want to give. Because it's like, I think even Drea didn't say it exactly right. Mike definitely said it exactly right. (laughs) He, like, just compelled it, you know. (laughs) Might be fun to, like, have some stakes there. But probably not, actually. That would be really stupid. I'm just just joking around. I'm absolutely okay to retire this idea. But I did want to loop back to Mike's decision to activate his vote. I guess it ended up being a pretty tight split. But uh, what do you think? Any uh, incentive in not saying it and keeping it a secret? I think it might have been why. I mean, who's to say? Watching the edit, we know that we weren't shown anything to show us that Mike was in danger. But I guess, what do you think? What's the likelihood? It sounds like it sounds like Chanel and Daniel weren't even thinking about trying to get high and Lydia to turn on Mike. Yeah, I think it was maybe just Mike. 
You know, like, also, it's like, what's the downside exactly? Like, people know he has it. But, like, if he really wants, you know, they know that someone on that tribe has it, right? Like, the other tribes know about the existence of this. And it's like, if Mike really wants people to not know who has it, he could always give it away to someone and they can do, like, a switcheroo like they've done in, you know, other seasons. Like, last season with Xander and the whole thing of giving it away for one vote. And so, I mean... (laughs) What was the downside? Like, I would just say it. Like, otherwise, you might go to the tribal council and anything could happen. And it's like, I feel like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, if I had it, I would definitely have said the phrase once I knew that it's going to guarantee me an idol and to have my vote back. And I guess if by saying it, you give them their idols, you let there be a small chance that one of them will use their idols this vote and therefore that idol won't be around at the merge. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. That's I, I like a hundred percent. Mike wasn't thinking that, but I think like, it is a smart thing. Yeah. But speaking of uh, the outcome of the challenge in terms of obviously Mike had no way of knowing who, who will win and who will go to tribal, but it does end up being uh, his team that goes to that loses the immunity challenge, although we saw Omar struggling with the ropes quite a bit, and somehow Jonathan still clinches the win, just barely, but, you know, second place. This man is just, uh, I don't know, he's a big threat. Really putting himself out I actually thought it was really nice, the way Lindsay was sort of talking Omar through it. I thought that was like a nice supportive teammate move. Yeah, I feel like I agree. Like, it didn't seem like any of them were, like, actually annoyed at Omer. Like, obviously, if they would have lost, they wouldn't have been happy. But also, it did seem from the edit that they're, like, pretty annoyed at Marianne. So I'll bet you it wouldn't have been that big a deal. But it's it's nice, I guess, to have this insurance that even if you suck at your part of the challenge, you have another person on your tribe that will just carry you through anyways. And uh, I would be really annoyed if I was the other tribes that it's like, even when they struggled so much, you still can't beat them. Well, I guess one of the tribes did, Tori's tribe did, but not uh, not, the, not Mike's tribe. But, uh, but alas, yeah, Jonathan is very good. We, I guess we like drooled all over Jonathan last week. So like we're out now of platitudes to say about Jonathan. But yeah, he's very good at challenges and it's going to be so interesting now to see when they get to this merge next week, if he's going to be like just target number one or who's going to go with who. Okay, here's a bolt. Here's a a thought. I I feel like people have been talking about like Tyson and how Tyson won blood versus water because he got injured and everyone knew he was a physical threat. But then they stopped worrying. Would you ever, if you're Jonathan, actually injure yourself on purpose at like a key strategic point after the merge so people won't view you as a threat? Like. I guess you're at risk of getting pulled from the game. Like, I guess it really depends. You have to like injure yourself not enough to get pulled, but enough that people think you're, I don't know. I guess you could just stub your toe really badly, but maybe that could even get infected. I don't know. Jonathan could do no wrong. So I'm sure he'd figure out how to like accomplish this, but I feel like I would just mess it up and end up like needing to be evacuated in five seconds. (laughs) I don't think Jonathan is doing any such thing. Like the man is like a, competition beast like we heard the confessionals about his dad making him run up and down mountains so i don't think he has a bone in him of like throwing a challenge or pretending to be injured or any of that stuff but it may play to his advantage to not be to kind of show himself not to be as good at the individual immunity challenges 
But at the same time, that just puts him at a greater risk of being voted out first if he doesn't clinch that win. So it's a toughie. Yeah, exactly. Like, would you really like throw a challenge if you're him? I guess luckily the first challenge, if it's like last season, it's a team challenge still. So obviously his side's going to win. We'll see if they do the whole reverse the time thing so that actually then he is like, then he might be out. Well, then he still has a chance to win the individual one. And we'll see that again, that might be like a balanced thing that he's not as good. Or I think last season, wasn't it with, with his feet? Like uh, Ricard, like had to lift things. So who knows if Jonathan? I mean, probably he is, but like maybe that. I'm sure his feet are perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that uh, he'll probably if they don't do the reverse time thing, which I feel like they really shouldn't, because that was ridiculous. Then he'll just lead his team to win. He'll get one, you know, he'll get one vote through, and then I guess hopefully he could figure something out. Because yeah, I like Dina said, like maybe he could try not to win, but then he's like very at risk right away. (laughs) Do you guys want to do an over-under on how many individual immunity wins Jonathan will have? Okay. Uh, I want to say one. Okay. I'm going to take an over on that. I'm going to take the under. Because I think that he's going to win that team one. Mm -hmm. And then maybe he's like out the next week. I don't know. One is a good pick because I feel it's like how many in a row can he win? Like, it'll be a really fun challenge. And if he is able to get through a vote without immunity, that'll be, like, a really interesting thing. And then we can really laud him as, like, being this, like, really great player because that would be very <laughs> impressive. He'll have to, like, find someone else to put a bigger target on. Okay, well, before we get too much into weeds on uh, predictions for next week, let's um, chat a little bit about what happens after the challenge is over. So Rox and Lydia are selected to go on this voyage together. And again, we see another classic eye-rolling from Tori, who seems either annoyed that Rox got to do something fun, or maybe she just wanted to go on the, um, on the voyage herself. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that. I didn't. Yeah, she was pissed. Probably she wanted like an advantage or whatever and like anything that she can get to, uh, especially like if you're not going to tribal that night, then it's probably like a lot more appealing to go to the magic like advantage place and see what happens. Like I could imagine if you're on the team that lost, then you don't really want to because, you know, with Lydia, like she just kind of shows up and then they have like five minutes or whatever to come up with a plan. But if she was actually on the outs, that would be like really stressful, I'd imagine, to be away the whole time everyone is strategizing. Yeah, the stakes are definitely higher uh, when your uh, tribe is going to tribal and you barely have any time when you come back. But I just did think it was uh, funny how basically Rox and Lydia are going on what feels like the most awkward first date or something. (laughs) They're like trying to make conversation, but like no one is being candid and they're just like kind of awkwardly twirling around the like so what's going on with you well not much what's going on with you and they're just kind of like la-di-dying the whole way the best was when she was like to rocks her like are you close with anyone or who are you close with and he was like what is close or something like <laughs> the most just like avoiding the question completely uh see rocks has some game in him does he <laughs> like 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I feel like isn't it good to try to actually make an ally at this point and, and like maybe try to make a deal? Like our tribes should work. Like either you could like turn on your tribe if you want to get into that type of thing, or you can be like my tribe and your tribe should work together and take out. Like they could just like talk about how much they hate Jonathan and how like he's so good and we need to vote him out. And like I don't know. I don't see why not. Strat- like you're gonna merge so soon. Like why not strategize? Especially if you're Akshay, who knows he's at the bottom of, you know, that he's the only one that was left out of the most recent vote. Yeah. But uh, Roxroy is just, he's got rock in his name, right? Like, he's just <laughs> going to stick with the, the strategy of, like, I'm on a team and I'm not supposed to give anything away. And I don't know. Like, we'll see. It just seems like maybe a missed opportunity to have a relationship. Who knows if, like, any of these other, like, relationships are going to amount to anything anyway. Like... Uh, I guess, like, the interesting thing from one of the times that still hasn't... You know how, like, Chanel lost her vote? And then, like, so also that means Omar lost his vote. So I wonder how that'll play out and if, like, their good relationship is going to end up turning them into enemies because Omar's going to be so mad that she betrayed him or maybe, like, they could use this information that he doesn't have a vote to do yeah. something. So at least, like, Roxroy and, you know, Lydia can't be annoyed at, any, at anything. Like, you know, they just sort of, like, both played it super safe. They also, like, protected their votes. So that's also just, like kept super safe wait but omar gets his vote back at the merge does he not i thought that it's he risked his vote which means the next tribal council he goes to he doesn't have a vote yeah that, that was, was my understanding too. yeah oh no. so he doesn't even know he doesn't even know that's the crazy thing at this oh, point the only God. person who knows is chanel and maybe like the people on her tribe if she told them he doesn't right, even and- know and Omar's got to be so confident that he has an extra vote as opposed to no vote because it is insane that Chanel risked her vote. Yeah. What if it actually turns out long term that that move that we all like mocked Chanel for and we're like, what a terrible move. What if that ends up being like the game winning move? Like it's going to be like Chanel voted out or something. But then like because Omar doesn't have a vote, like that turns the tides and like changes the whole course of the season. And Chanel wins. She's like, the, you know, the turning point for me was when I risked my vote. It worked out so perfectly. I mean, it's possible, right? That would be so exciting to watch. I would be extremely irritating if she claimed credit for it because i still feel like that move was incomprehensible but it would be exciting yeah too bad she doesn't have a confessional like i'm risking my vote not because i think it's going to help me i'm doing it to hurt omer <laughs> and just like yeah. that'd be wild that no one's done that yet like i feel like that'll be a fun like next thing if they continue to this island like they you know like you know last season they actually used to talk when they were up there of like okay i'm gonna protect you're gonna risk they kind of like strategize this season they didn't they always are just like let's see what happens i don't know yeah, yeah but like it would be fun if like someone said like okay i'm going to you know protect so you can risk and you can get it and then like risk even though they know that it's like mutual destruction that would be like a fun <laughs> strategy yeah your relationship with that person then is sort of burned unless you think you can really play dumb Maybe you do that if you're with Jonathan and like you're really trying to make sure he'll be out at the merge. So it's like you yeah. don't care about burning your relationship. You're trying to take out a big threat by taking away his vote. Yeah, that's true. That feels like a Tory type move. Yeah. Like I can see her leading into that. <laughs> Tory would do it with Roxroy for sure. <laughs> she, would take, she would lose her vote to uh, take away his. She could. She totally would. <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like. I've heard some, like, chatter about why are people risking things for extra votes? Extra votes are meaningless. But I feel like the extra votes actually are going to be useful going into a 4-4-4 merge. Yeah, that is a good opportunity to really create some uh, marginal sort of uh, advantage between, you know, different fractions. Because it's like, 
we assume that all four teams are just going to, or sorry, all three teams of four are going to come together and then two are going to gang up against one. But seeing how some of these relationships are working out, like uh, between Tori and Rox and maybe Jonathan, you know, might be a free agent if he's feeling like everyone is uh, out to get him. It's uh, a very interesting situation. I don't think one that we've seen before where all three tribes are coming in completely on an even playing field. Except, of course, Omer doesn't have his vote. Oh, no. Yes, can we do a quick recap of who has extra votes? We know Omer doesn't have a vote. And Marianne has an extra, and Drea has an extra. And I believe that's it. Okay. And then there's also the amulets, let's not forget. Right. But they're not teaming up, right? Well... Hold on. So there's Lindsay, High, and Drea have the amulet that they can combine or the power shifts uh, every time one of them is voted out. Yeah, I would imagine going into the merge. I mean, tell me if you disagree, Dina. Like, I feel like going to the merge, they're probably not coming together for an extra vote. That seems like that'd be cool. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's more of like a longer term thing where once one of them gets voted out, then maybe the remaining two discuss it. It seems so unlikely that the three of them will all be on the same page. It also seems like all three of them are kind of in good spots right now. Like Drea Mm -hmm. has a strong alliance with Romeo, and I think she's feeling pretty good about Rox. And then High is like really has like a strong hand that he's playing right now. Lindsay seems good also. So honestly, I don't think any one of them is going to want to give something up to kind of come together necessarily. It could be a binding, maybe a way for two of them to bind, uh, to bond together and turn on the third person and kind of have riled the troops behind sort of that uh, strategy. But I guess if you're if you're one of them and you're really worried that this thing is has a target on your back, like you think the other two are going to target you to make the advantage more powerful, like I could see Tre- Drea just saying like, "Sure, let's use this on Tori," you know, or so, or High saying, "Sure, let's use it on Chanel." Like just like saying like, "Let's all just team up and use this extra vote." just vote yeah. for someone like just to like get it out of the way. Yeah, to offer up the person on your own tribe that you are the most weary of yeah as a a gesture of good faith i like that because also i guess there's this whole information right of like who has like the fact that these three have it that means that maybe you could like say like if you're drea you can go to like the people on uh, i don't know high's tribe and be Mm. like did you know that high has this thing and he didn't tell you and like try to make like the tribe like turn on each other like as a bargaining Mm -hmm. chip when you're trying to like so I, I mean, I think it's a pretty cool twist. I, it's hard to, like, know. Like, we've never seen it, right? To know how it's going to play out. I just feel like it's just unlikely that it's going to play out the way that you're saying, Julia. Like, they're just going like, <laughs> to, yeah. use it. I feel like I like more Dina's idea. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I like it. Like, I, I feel like it's more realistic. Dina's idea of, like, two of them team up and, like, target the other one so they can have, like, the more powerful power. But, okay, so you were saying that we have, like, so... Basically, the tribe with Jonathan, they are like lost a vote and they have a vote, like Marianne. Mm-hmm. So they kind of cancel each other out. They've got their four. And then it's just Drea with an extra vote on her tribe. Okay. All right. I wonder if that'll come into play like on this like first vote. But again, we don't even know who's going to be eligible to be voted out on that first vote. So it's really hard. It's not going to be like, sure. like four, four, four. 
But before we jump into uh, speculations about next week, let's uh, chat about what happened in, uh, this week when uh, Rox comes back and it's Daniel and Chanel. They want to have some one-on-one quality time with all the other folks. I'm sorry, and I mentioned Rox. It's Lydia who's back to that tribe. Um, and it's time for Daniel and Chanel to have their one-on-one time with all their tribe members to kind of plead their case and see who who will get away with that being voted out. And yeah, I so Julia, like you were saying before, I kind of also felt the same way that I didn't necessarily know who was going to be voted out. I actually kind of thought it was Chanel. But um, it did end up being uh, Daniel and he did try his best during tribal to kind of make this like personal plea to Mike saying how they'll be friends forever until one of them dies, which is probably Mike and goes in all this like doom and gloom, you know, Daniel just like has this thing where he like can't stop talking. He'll just like keep sort of digging himself into a hole, whether he's trying to say something wholesome and nice or just like, you know, try to explain or like rationalize his actions that are not the most rational. So I'm, I'm enjoying his like uh, little rants. Uh, so I will miss him. Me too. I like Daniel a lot. Don't you think if someone tells you like, we're going to be friends for- forever, like regardless of the game, that's almost like giving Mike permission to vote him out. It's kind of like being like, you can vote me out. I'll still be your friend. As opposed to saying like, if you vote me out, I'll never talk to you again. Like, you're going to have this great friendship. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that either one of them is like the most compelling, but definitely if you're, I I see what Daniel was going for, or at least according to Chanel, that's what he was going for. I kind of thought he was being genuine. Like, obviously it's still all part of the game and he's trying to kind of be likable and strengthen his bonds. I mean, it is already tribal, so I don't know that much is changing, but Chanel was definitely not buying anything he was selling. And Chanel is definitely always very quick to shut any chatter down that she's like not feeling. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm, no, no. Yeah, I'm excited to see Chanel now that she'll have once again, like more of an open playing field because she hasn't really had the opportunity to do much. She sort of like teamed up with Daniel. Then there was this one flub where then all of a sudden now they were in the bottom and like there wasn't really anything she can do. But yeah, now it seems like she's a good player. Like it seems like she's able to sort of like take the tenor of the conversation in the direction she wants to take it. So it'll be fun to see what she can do. And uh, yeah, maybe as far as Daniel's concerned, I guess since he didn't think he was getting voted out, he was probably just more like sowing seeds with Mike for the future, right? Like yeah. just to be like, we're such good friends. We're going to keep going throughout the rest of the game being such good friends. But he didn't realize that his time was up. I wish that Chanel and Daniel had been able to stick together and go far as a duo. I liked them as a duo. It could have been good, yeah. Yeah, it could have been like a completely weird mutation of like the Shan and Ricard alliance, you know, like this yeah. awkward but lovable nerd and like the schemy sort of, uh, you know, like sly, uh, cool girl. And yeah, I, I would have loved to see that type of alliance. It would have been very fun. 
So who's your favorite alliance now left in the game? Like the, the big pairs, we have like Omer and Jonathan as a big pair. Like we saw obviously with to Julia's chagrin, the uh, <laughs> Romeo and Drea, the coach and the, and the protege. <laughs> Uh, people can't see eye rolls in a podcast, but there's, one <laughs> Julia right there's like a Tory level eye roll. Right now. <laughs> I think Hi and Lydia are my favorite duo. Yeah, Still be, in the yeah. game. I just hope we'll see more of Lydia's side of it. Like, you know, yeah. right now we're just kind of the way they edit it. It's, it can't be real like that. Right. I'm just like, hi, like just making all the decisions and being the mouthpiece. Like I'm sure Lydia's actually like more involved than they're letting it on. I mean, they did give her more airtime on this episode, finally. Like, I've really been looking forward to seeing more of Lydia, and this was sort of her coming out party of sorts. I really liked her confessional on the peak of the mountain, where she's talking about body positivity and loving herself the way that she is, and just, you know, and her body is just perfect, and... You go, Lydia. I love that. I think that's we love like, you, Lydia. Yay. And I'm excited to also see more of her strategic chops as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was nice and we got to know her well, but now I'm like interested next to hear about like what she's thinking in the game, like what are her plans, like those kinds of things. And I guess hopefully at the merge we'll get, but I think they've done a pretty good job overall. Like I think we have a general sense, like maybe we don't like every, know everything about Lydia, but we know what we need to know in terms of like, she's with Hi, like they're really tight. They're running their tribe. So that that's, I guess that's enough for now, I suppose. Yeah. So on that note, I think uh, there's lots of intrigue going into the merge. Uh, very excited to see exactly how they execute this potentially new iteration of the hourglass or whatever they decide to do. Um, I guess it can get worse than the Erica debacle. <laughs> Although I do love Erica, so definitely no shade whatsoever at her. It was just like a bit of a, n- not my favorite twist, but uh, I-, I feel like there's something coming up uh, d- down the pike with regards to that, but maybe in some other way. I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts on how that might look like. Julia, any ideas of like another tool that they can like misuse? Like, you know how they took an hourglass and then they smashed it into pieces. That's what you do when you want to uh, make use of an hourglass. Like, what can they do as the next iteration of that? This time it's a hammer and they're just going to use it to tell time like a sundial. (laughs) Love that. When the hammer turns to the certain uh, time on the on the sand that's when you n- decide like who gets voted on. yeah that would be or like everyone stands in a row the hammer's in the middle and then wherever the hammer is at a certain point whoever it points at those people are uh, up for elimination and then after that you just play spin the hammer like spin the bottle for b-roll that could be like what they do with the you know the episode from last season where it was like do or die and it's just like random chance so this could be like spin the hammer can decide like who gets the do or die and gets just like eliminated if it lands on you but maybe there's also some like places the hammer can land where everyone is safe as long as they keep misusing tools and misappropriating different analogies uh i'm i'm down and I'm uh, very excited to see what happens next. And we'll be back here in a week's time 
with uh, hopefully our fourth part of our squad, Ben Burnett. And until then, Julia, Elon, any final words of wisdom? Gosh, no, I'm, I'm so excited for next week. Yeah, uh, double episode, right? So then we're going to have to do also a two-hour Survivor Squad to, to cover it all. I guess, I guess we'll figure that out in the moment. But uh, if there's anyone listening, thanks. <laughs> That'd be cool. Find a way to get in touch and let us know. We don't have a Twitter. We don't have anything. So, I don't know, find us individually on social media and let us know you're listening. Yeah, get creative. Find, like, your – even if you're not an analogy person like Dan – like, find the best analogy and just hit us up. Let us know what you think. All right. Well, on that note, thanks again, uh, lone listener or few, and uh, talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye.